Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Truman's Town Hall with your host, Matt Truman. Hello, hello, this is Matt Truman. Thank you for downloading this episode. Thank you for sharing with a friend. Today on the podcast, September the 20th, 2022, we're going to talk about all kinds of stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't learned, we're going live Sunday night between, (laughs) I say between because... We're working out all the technical issues because I haven't went live because I have a face for radio. However, we're going live over on the YouTube channel, Matt, in parentheses, Doc Truman. So if you're inclined to check out this podcast, but live, it's over on that YouTube channel Sunday night between 930 and 10 9.45, hopefully, I invite you all to come and watch. There's a couple of episodes up already. We've went live with the Red Rooster, Waylon Fortner. We went live with Damon Appel with the Red Rooster as co-host. And hopefully, the Red Rooster will be by my side on Sunday Night Live as a co-host when he can. But anyway, folks... We have a lot to talk about. Uh, President Biden on 60 Minutes. Did you watch this? Did you watch 60 Minutes? President Biden said COVID is over. The pandemic is over, ladies and gentlemen. Bring the good old bugle, boys. We'll sing another song. Oh, it's it's over. The pandemic is over. Did you hear President Biden on 60 Minutes say that the pandemic was over? Well, you should hear it. And here it is. First Detroit auto show in three years. Yeah. 
Is the pandemic over? The pandemic is over. We still have a problem with COVID. We're still doing a lot of work on it. Uh, it's But the pandemic is over. All right. So hopefully Twitter stops deleting posts. Facebook stops deleting posts or fact checks posts. Hopefully freedom is back, folks, under your president, Joseph R. Biden. It's back. Freedom is back. He declared it on 60 Minutes. It's over, and we're, we're, we're going to fight China if they attack Taiwan. Oh, crap. Did you hear that, too, during 60 Minutes? Oh, boy. Ladies and gentlemen, my favorite Weon news out of India. Do you remember those words? Those remarks from the U.S. president created a diplomatic firestorm. Guess what? Joe Biden has done it yet again. He says if China attacks Taiwan, the U.S. will come to the island's defense. Listen in. But would U.S. forces defend the island? Yes, if in fact there was an unprecedented attack. So unlike Ukraine, to be clear, sir, U.S. forces, U.S. men and women, would defend Taiwan in the event of a Chinese invasion? Yes. No ambiguity whatsoever. The U.S. will come to Taiwan's defense. For those keeping account, Biden has now made the same commitment to defend Taiwan twice. And on both these occasions, the White House has rushed to clarify its remarks. But is anyone really buying those statements? More importantly, is Beijing convinced? We'll try and answer that. As Biden handed China another opportunity to challenge Taiwan militarily. In the next few minutes, we'll tell you about the fallout. We first begin with the latest. Biden's comments were part of an interview with an American broadcaster. Almost immediately after it came out, reporters reached out to the White House. They wanted a clarification. They wanted to know if the U.S. policy had changed. The White House, however, stuck to the old script. The U.S. policy has not changed, they said. Allow me to quote. The president has said this before, including in Tokyo earlier this year, he also made it quite clear that our Taiwan policy has not changed. That remains true. So what policy was the White House talking about? Strategic ambiguity. What is that all about? Let me explain now. For years, the U.S. has walked a diplomatic tightrope over Taiwan. Americans shied away from choosing one side. To China, they promised to adhere to the one China policy. The policy that declares Taiwan is actually a part of China. The U.S. signed on to this in the year 1979 when it snapped all formal ties with Taipei in favor of Beijing. But Washington never really abandoned Taiwan completely. It passed the Taiwan's Relations Act in the same year, that is 1979. It allowed the U.S. to sell arms to the island. Another commitment was part of this law. It says the U.S. will come to Taiwan's defense in case of an attack. But this clause is written rather ambiguously. It doesn't really specify how the U.S. will defend Taiwan. Is the support limited to arms? Or is the U.S. ready to send its soldiers to defend the island? That's what everybody wanted to know. Biden's comments put an end to that ambiguity today. He is ready for a military intervention if necessary. That's what he says. And China is furious. The clarifications from the White House have been ignored. Beijing registered a diplomatic protest today. Take a look. 
The U.S. remarks seriously violate the One China principle and the provisions of the three U.S. joint communiques. They breach the U.S. commitment to not support Taiwan independence and send a severely wrong signal to the separatist forces of Taiwanese independence. China strongly deplores and rejects it and has made solemn complaints with the U.S. side. That sounds like a threat. The Chinese military threatened Taiwan too by sending its warships and warplanes. Let me give you some figures. Nine Chinese aircraft and five Chinese vessels were today spotted near the island. But what were they doing there? Well, not much. Just making their presence felt. These are what military experts call grey zone tactics. The Chinese military has perfected this approach. So what are these grey zone tactics? They are essentially coercive and provocative military moves. They stop short of an actual war. But these are good enough to keep someone on their toes. The Chinese military started these provocative visits last month. This was after Nancy Pelosi paid a visit to Taiwan. She is the Speaker of the U.S. House of Representatives, the highest-ranking U.S. official to visit Taiwan in more than two decades. Beijing saw this visit as an out-and-out -out provocation, a signal that the U.S. is ready to support Taiwan with the military invasion. China doesn't rule out a military operation to take Taiwan by force. The frequent drills around the island serve as a reminder. They convey to Taiwan how quickly Chinese forces can mobilize and reach the islands. And it only gets worse from here on. China is now making reckless moves. It is using every available avenue to hit back at America. Just last week, Beijing announced a fresh round of sanctions. They target America's defense sector in particular. The sale of arms to Taiwan by the United States seriously violates the One China principle and the three Sino-U.S. joint communiques, especially the August 17th communique. It seriously damages China's sovereignty and security interests, Sino-U.S. relations, and the peace and stability of the Taiwan Strait. China firmly opposes and strongly condemns it. In order to safeguard China's sovereignty and security interests, the Chinese government has decided to sanction those who are involved in the sale of weapons. Chairman and CEO of Raytheon Technologies, Gregory Hayes, and Boeing Defense President and CEO Ted Colbert. That happened on Friday. China is making fresh threats now. China Daily is a leading Chinese newspaper. It is owned by the Communist Party. China Daily has published a new piece on the Taiwan situation. Here it is. It accuses politicians in the U.S. of playing risky games with Taiwan. There is a warning that comes with this article. It says, if Washington takes things too far, there could be a war between the U.S. and China. I repeat, there could be a war between the U.S. and China. That's what the article says. Sounds a bit extreme, doesn't it, to say the least. That's because it is supposed to. Next month, the Communist Party will meet for its 20th Congress in Beijing. And during that event, Xi Jinping is expected to secure a historic third term. The extension will put him on par with Mao Zedong, the father of modern-day China. Now just think about this. Just before this historic moment, would Xi like to appear weak on the issue of Taiwan? Certainly not. But Xi Jinping's belligerence is now putting China on the path towards a dangerous escalation where even one mistake can prove to be very costly. Well, this hasn't happened for a while. Let's see here. September, October, November election. Why not have a world war? Why not? Why not have a world war? It's election season.
Democrats need to stay in, in charge, right? Oh boy, folks. We're in for the long haul. So there's a lot of folks talking about this. I follow different news sources. I follow even the fringe news sources. And this is what some of the fringe news sources are talking about. Okay, we had two large impact statements made by the current residing commander-in-chief to the U.S. military forces, President Joe Biden, saying that if China attacks Taiwan, American troops, your brothers, sisters, daughters, and sons, would be used to fight against China in the next world war. This is a massive change because while there has been a one-China policy set forth by the United States of America that says that the U.S. and its allies will not uh, instigate a Taiwanese uh, Taiwan independence. President Biden yesterday sat there and said that while the U.S. will not instigate it, it will stand by Taiwan's decision. We have a major upset coming here in the next couple of months. And with the Chinese president saying to ready the forces to take Taiwan by overwhelming force, America getting ready. We have uh, Taiwan preparing, Japan pointing their missiles at China. This is a massive change, and we have to be prepared. China slapped back at the U.S. president's statement over the promise that the U.S. would defend Taiwan if and when China launches an invasion. The foreign ministry spokesperson Mao Ning said that those remarks made by Biden severely violate the commitment the U.S. has made to not support Taiwan independence. Would U.S. forces defend the island? Uh, Biden was asked on national television. Yes, if in fact there was an unprecedented attack, uh, attack the president replied. When asked again unequivocally, he said yes. The comment was the most unambiguous yet with policies toward Taiwan. China is saying that a formal complaint has been lodged with the U.S. over these comments, saying that China and Beijing is strongly dissatisfied, adding that the remark sent a, an erroneous signal to Taiwanese separatist independence forces. Earlier this month, China warned of countermeasures after the U.S. approved more than $1 billion worth of weapons sales to Taiwan. EDF officials are saying that France is going to have to halt power exports to Italy for two years to make up for the energy war that is being fought between Russia and Europe. In the year 2013, Erdogan, Turkey's leader said that the SCO membership, speaking of the China-led Shanghai Cooperation Organization, the Turkish president in 2013 said that uh, EU, uh, Turkey would have to say goodbye to the European Union and NATO. That was full-spectrum survival. That's, that's the fringe element, folks. The fringe element talking about war with the United States and China. There are other things happening around the world and within the United States. I have been following, loosely, loosely following the Alex Jones trial, the newest one that's happening in Connecticut. There was one in Texas where he was subject to 
Alex Jones, was subject to uh, not providing, allegedly, by the court, not providing enough discovery, discovery being material that one who is in the defendant chair would provide documents uh, and, and, and different things like that to the prosecution, right? He didn't provide enough discovery to the court, so the court decided to default Alex Jones. He didn't lose a trial. He was just defaulted by a judge in Texas. And the Texas jury heard a case and then said, you know what, he has to pay $45 million or something to that effect. And now, and this was all over his uh, commentary, he says it was only 15 minutes, but who knows how long it was. (laughs) I don't know. But now it's in Connecticut, folks over the Sandy Hook stuff. Sandy Hook massacre. Oh, man. If there is any death that is more precious than a child and these sick bastards that decide to pick up a weapon and go into a school and destroy lives, young little lives, those are the worst of the worst. Anybody who preys on children... Man, you're going to get it. You are going to get it. Alex Jones has been the poster boy for Sandy Hook because he questioned it. A lot of us question different things. Was he wrong? Sure, I, I, I guess so. Right? Was he wrong in questioning this? Certainly. I'd agree with you. Anyway, uh... Without my commentary, there is a trial happening after the Texas trial. There's another one where Alex Jones is being sued by a lot of people, including an FBI agent who was at the scene. FBI can now sue American citizens. That's weird. But anyway, here is Greg Reese talking all about this. FBI agent William Aldenberg who served as John Durham's lead investigator, is suing Alex Jones because he is traumatized as a result of things said on the show by former guest of the show, Wolfgang Halbig. Alex Jones and his company, these are very powerful people, and I'm not anybody. And so someone like like me, you just can't defend yourself. You just have to, at some point, you have to accept it. He admits that Jones did nothing other than allow a platform for others to lawfully speak. Hell, we call the FBI. I didn't speak to him. Okay. Uh, how many times did Jones call you? He didn't call me, sir. Um, did you ever see this photograph, 289, on Infowars? Um, I didn't know, sir. Do you know whether he ever talked about you on Infowars? I don't. I don't know. If Halbig appears as a guest on a talk show, does that make him affiliated with the talk show? To me, it does. Okay. The judge, who is noticeably the most emotionally charged in the courtroom, is triggered when Jones's attorney, Norm Pattis, pursues the truth. Who are the powerful people that Mr. Jones is affiliated with? Please. 
he's had, uh, I'm sorry, he's on, he, like, for example, he's on, you know, I don't know if you know who a guy named Joe Rogan is. He's a podcaster, a guy named Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan harassing you too? No, not at all. No, I'm just saying, like, if I can answer the question. If he can answer the question, said he cut off. I can, I can. Just one second, gentlemen. All right, why don't we, the, the, what, no. I, did, I now lost the question because I didn't. The question was, was Joe Rogan I'll withdraw and ask another. Okay. No, wait a second. No, no, that's all right. So why don't we. I guess he doesn't like the answer. No. I'm all right. Fine. So, counsel, let's just. Sir, who, hmm. are, who are the powerful people that Mr. Jones is affiliated with? Well, that was asked and answered. That was Mr. Joe Rogan. Rogan. No, counsel, sidebar. Pat has questions the political nature of the trial. How 15 people waited over five years until 2018 to file lawsuits on the same day and in the same office. But the judge gets noticeably upset because Pattis isn't playing along with their kangaroo court and forbids him from mentioning the name Clinton and others. Well, we did the Hillary Clinton. Now we did the Megyn Kelly. Should we address what's coming next? No. Well, I think it might make sense. Judge, there's, I, I'm, not, it's, I'm not responsible for giving my adversaries a preview of what's to come anymore than apparently they were responsible for telling me what witnesses they were going to call today. The plaintiff complains that Alex is going to try and defend himself and admits they have agreed to lie to the jury. But he's injected this idea that Alex Jones was merely questioning when the jury is going to be instructed in the courts to determine that he intentionally inflicted emotional distress, that he intentionally lied, that he acted with malice. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. These clowns actually thought that a man who has dedicated his entire life to freedom of speech would stay silent while they destroy him in court with lies meant to attack the First Amendment. And if they succeed, then any random federal agent can sue you into oblivion over hurt feelings from the Internet. Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese. All right, all right. That was just a little take of the Alex Jones trial in Connecticut. That was a a one-sided take. Because I took that off of band.video, which is an Alex Jones-owned site. So, (sighs) you can decide what you want on that. Go find other news sources if you are concerned about that. I find it interesting. 
all of it. There's another site. Oh boy, I, th- I think it's called Law and Order or something similar, where they discuss this trial as well, and they have another take on it. You can look it up. Look at look it all up, folks. Here's the thing that I love. We, many of us, I shouldn't say we, because we have folks from all around the world. So thank you for everyone listening in Australia, in India, in Great Britain, um, just all around the world. There's a lot of folks listening to this podcast. The audio podcast goes out around the world. We'll build up the 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 lot the Sunday night live we'll build that up but in the meantime I I want to I appreciate everyone that listens to this podcast especially all those around the world anyway I like to digress there are things happening folks happening around the world uh but uh one thing that I we opened talking about COVID-19. We open talking about the quote-unquote pandemic. The pandemic in Ohio. And I live in Ohio. Born and raised in Ohio. I lived a few years in Texas. Man, I miss Texas. Texas is a great state. I, I may move back there someday. I don't know. I don't know where life takes you. Folks, Life takes us all over the place. Life takes us to Texas, maybe Tennessee, maybe Georgia, maybe uh, California. I've spent time in California training to go to Afghanistan, right? Oh, California is beautiful. It's It's a beautiful state. Oh, it's so beautiful. The politics suck, but it's a beautiful state. I spend time in oh, New Mexico in the winter. I drove through New Mexico in the winter. It's a, <laughs> it was scary. Oh my word! I was driving on back roads in New Mexico, just spinning my wheels in a van with little kids. And listen, I was gripping the steering wheel white knuckle. <laughs> it was awful. But looking back on it, it was it was an amazing time. Anyway, stop reminiscing, stop bloviating, stop going off track, Matt Truman. Okay, we're back. For those of us who are from Ohio, we will remember this. Dr. Acton, who has done such a phenomenal job, uh, just signed an Ohio health director's order. Dr. Acton just signed a stay-at-home order for all Ohioans. Other states have referred to this as shelter-in-place. We prefer stay-at-home. Either one, it's, it's, it's pretty much the same thing. And that order will be up online shortly. You'll have the opportunity to look at it. But let me just start by saying that there really is nothing in that order that we have not already been talking about. 
There's nothing in that order uh, that I have not been asking you to do for the last week or so. This order has really three separate parts. The first part is stay-at-home order. And it allows, this is the copy of the order that Dr. Acton just signed. It is self-explanatory. I think for a government document, it's pretty easy to read. Um, but it does permit exceptions to staying at home. And these are the common sense ones that we've been talking about. Leaving home for essential activities is permitted for health and safety, for necessary supplies and services, for outdoor activity. Take a walk. Walk your dog. Go to a park. Although playgrounds, which are particularly susceptible to the spread disease, are closed. Certain types of work, work that's deemed essential, and I'll talk about that in a moment. And the final one, E on page two, to take care of others. We want, don't want anyone to misunderstand. Uh, you still can take care of your neighbor. You can still take care of your mother, your dad, your child. I'll just read from it. To care for a family member, a friend, or pet in another household, and to transport family members, friends, or pets as allowed by this order. This includes attending weddings and funerals. Again, it's, it, it's common sense. The second part of the order lists the essential businesses that will be allowed to stay open. And I want to point out that we use the Homeland Security document identifying essential workers. Uh, this document has been used, I know, by several other states as well. And I think these are generally the accepted businesses that are essential for us to continue to live. For each, um, the third part I would like to talk about is that each of the businesses that are allowed to stay open uh, must follow good protocol, good guidelines in regard to health. Let me turn to page eight and read some of these. Again, nothing new, nothing that we have not been talking about, nothing that Dr. Acton has not been talking about. For purposes of this order, <clears throat> for purposes of this order, social distancing requirements includes maintaining at least six foot social distancing from other individuals, washing hands with soap and water for at least 20 seconds, and on and on. Um, required measures, des businesses, designate six, six foot distances. Workers should not be any closer than six foot. And it talks about that. Hand sanitizer and sanitizing products. 
must be readily available for employees and, cu- and customers. Number three, separate operating hours. All right. This clown. I'm going to shut him off. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the Ohio governor, Mike DeWine. What a clown. Leading by 14 points against Nan Whaley, who is an even more greater clown. Boys and girls of Ohio, listen up. It's time you take your state back from these polished, puke, sick, disgusting politicians who run with the Republicans or the Democrats, the establishments. There's a lot of folks out there who are Republicans, who are Democrats, who are great people. I know, my Republican friends, Democrats aren't good people. No, there's good Democrats. There's good Republicans. There's folks who think, like you and I, we need to join forces and run for office. From here on out, my mission is to look for good folks who want to run for office, who want to run for office and be honest. Wow, what a novelty to be honest running for office. Say, hey, you know what? I screwed up. Or, hey, this is the way we should go. What is your idea? Sell me on a better idea so I can work on that. Or, come with me. Okay, guys, what do we need to do? You know, let's huddle up. Let's think about this. Right? Instead of going, oh, The World Economic Forum said this. The WHO, the World Health Organization, said we're all going to die, right? Or, you know, I can't go see my dying father. Folks, I didn't know. We did this live with Damon Appel, and I was with my buddy Waylon, who I've known for a long time junior high, high school, right? I've, I've known him from the good times and or from the bad times into the good times. I, I knew Waylon back when he was not a preacher, right? I knew that Waylon. I know this Waylon now. This Waylon is a heck of a dude. The Whalen back then was a heck of a dude, too. I mean, he's always been a nice dude, but he was a, a partier, running and gunning, you know, <laughs> chasing the ladies around, doing, you know, that stuff. Wild man. And now he just lives his life for God. And it makes me want to live my life for God. Inspirational. Right? But I didn't hear, I didn't know. Waylon, his dad passed away. I went to his dad's funeral, and I didn't know he wasn't able to communicate with his dad. When my dad died, it was April 11th, 2011. I'll, I'll never forget it, right? You folks. 
If you, if your parents have passed away, you'll never forget that day. April, my dad passed away. And, uh, October, I was heading out to Mississippi to train up a little bit. To make a long story short, my dad died in April of 2011. And then I went to Afghanistan, right? I went over to to Mississippi to train up a little bit. And then I went to Afghanistan, went to war, and didn't know what the heck was going to happen. Had some close calls. But uh, I'm going to write a book someday. It's called... Don't take this. Right now, it's it's copywritten. The book I'm going to write is called Window Liquor, The Adventures of a High School Dropout. You can't steal that. Anyway, so this past Sunday, Whalen talked about his uh, his experience with his dad passing away. I got I got to experience my dad pass away. This was before COVID, and uh, I was in the room, was able to touch my dad, pray with my dad. Um, I saw him leave, <laughs> leave this world, leave this realm, whatever. Waylon didn't. Uh, I'm I'm gonna play that because man, that touched me, and I I, I should have said more, but I didn't on that broadcast, and I I'll talk to him. This was hard to hear. This was COVID under Mike DeWine. And this is hard to hear. And it makes me so mad. Ugh. I'm going to strangle that little son of a gun. But I won't. Because peace. Anyway. Here's a. Mm. Waylon's dad was a Vietnam veteran, folks. Vietnam veteran. Hmm. All right, I'm going to shut up. I'm going to play this clip. This was uh, this past Sunday Night Live with uh, Damon Appel, Will and Fortner, the Red Rooster, talking about his dad and what he had to deal with throughout all this COVID BS. Will and has been preaching the word for a long time. What is this? Is it getting? Do you think it's getting more evil, Whalen, or do you think you know? Oh yeah. Has it always been there? We it's, just haven't noticed. Yeah, it's Internet's all, bigger. It's just getting worse and worse. And and, and actually, you know, you, you talk to different people. A lot of people are thinking the great revival is going to come. And yeah, you'll get moments in time where people gather more than normal um but it always fizzled out and the world always gets darker and darker i just want to go back real quick to what you're saying about those shutdowns and when people couldn't see their loved ones in the nursing homes you yeah. know some the some of the darkest times is when certain people had total power look back through history when when people reach that total power moment where they could control everything. When I look back, my dad was over there in Huber Heights at the assisted living center during the COVID time. Right. And everybody was so scared about what the nurses were going to think or the doctors or all their laws and their regulations about you can only be six feet. Matter of fact, that comedian, uh, 
Jim Brewer talked about the five foot dangers, but they six kind of foot safe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And this is a true story. The circles in the floor, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And this has made me one of the maddest I've ever been in my life. My dad was at the assisted living. I would go visit him during COVID, and then it got real tight on restrictions. And you couldn't be so far, you know, so close to him. And then he reached out that last day, and he's going to take my hand. And the mm. rule was that if you had contact with him, you got too close that they were quarantined for two weeks. They couldn't come out. They couldn't do nothing. I was actually waving them at times through the window. And wow. I thought, well, I don't want to do that, Dad, because I don't want you to get in trouble and have them push you in the room for two weeks. And he died before I could ever touch him, shake his hand, hug his neck, anything. Right. If I had to do over again... I'd probably kick the door and run into his room, push every nurse out of the way, and give him the biggest hug that I possibly could. But we were all in that mode where you had to obey certain restrictions and do this and don't do that. And uh, to me, that was a test of what they really want to do and what they really want to control. And and the, the sad part is, is that most of the country, well, I don't want to say most, but a lot of the country fell for it. And they believed the danger. They believed how bad that they thought that it was. And then that fast one day, it's just over with. And you're thinking, how can something that deadly and that, that serious just all of a sudden go away? And I think right. that was the trial of what they're really wanting to do. And I think, yes, it's going to be very dark. And I think well, they're, they're, they're... Go ahead. No, it's... Go uh, on. Um, well, I was just going to... hungry. I was just going to say that... Um, yeah that you know when you said most of the country no it was all the country um you know in 20 end of 2021 2020 2020 i was thinking you know maybe for new year's i'll get away i'll go to some other state i'll go to one of these free free states i'll go to florida i'll go to miami i'll go to you know tampa or something like that you know i looked and then then i I looked at, um, what's the other one? South Dakota. Uh, what's, what's her name? Um, can't think of her name. The other governor. Um, I know who you're talking about. No, Christy Nome. Yeah. Christy Nome. Yes. Um, you know, so I looked, I looked in there, I looked at all the major cities, all the cities, all the cities had some sort of mask order and some sort of, you know, rule on distancing. And so that was a, a little piece of Sunday, night live over on matt doc truman matt in parentheses doc truman youtube page judy was boring hello then judy discovered chumbacasino.com it's my little escape now judy's the life of the party oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon whoa take it easy judy the Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We talk openly, try to anyway, till we get shut down, about real life. That's real life, folks. My dad's gone. Waylon's dad's gone. Um, 
Someday, I'm a dad. Someday, I'll be gone. God willing, uh, I'll go to heaven. That's the goal, right? Not being able to say goodbye to your parents. I never heard that from Waylon until he decided to share that on Sunday Night Live. Never heard it. He didn't talk to me about it. Didn't say nothing. Um, it was just something he felt like he should say and talk about with me and Damon Appel and with all of you. Wow. And it was, dude, I've been thinking ever since I heard that I've been, I've been thinking about that ever since. (laughs) what a scumbag Mike DeWine is do you think Nan Welly would be would be any better no oh but Matt we have to vote Mike DeWine because if we don't vote Mike DeWine we're going to get Nan Welly horse hockey folks vote with your conscience there's a write-in candidate his name is Marshall Usher who I just may reach out to to come on a Sunday night live. Maybe he says yes, maybe he says no. Shannon Walker, his lieutenant governor. Maybe he says yes, maybe he says no. Truepodcast at gmail.com. If you know these gentlemen, send me an email. If you don't, it's cool. Anyway, I may reach out to them and see if they'll come on Sunday Night Live here soon and uh, give you an option because Nan Whaley is definitely not an option. Mike DeWine will give you more of the same, right? All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end with this. I'm going to play a long clip. You can turn it off if you want. But I think you're going to want to let it play. This is from the Ohio Hospital Association. This is a hearing from a nurse who was fired because she didn't want to take the jab. No. And this is the hearing from it. And thanks to COVID law.com we have this recording on their website covidlawcast.com they have a disclaimer disclaimer not legal advice but general information not to be construed as legal advice applicable to your particular situation no attorney client relationship is created unless an engagement letter is signed by you and your attorney anywho here it is folks we're going to end with this we're going to end with it thank you for listening to truman's town hall i'll see you this sunday over on sunday night live and then the following week with this audio podcast because 
I have a face for radio. Anywho, covidlawcast.com and an ad by Warner Mendenhall, September 10th. The title is Ohio Hospital Association Adds Insult to Injury by Fighting Fired Employees Merger Unemployment Benefits. 35 minutes, 57 seconds. Enjoy. What you are about to hear is an unemployment appeal. The hospitals in Ohio are generally fighting employees who are seeking unemployment compensation after being fired for either asking for a religious or a medical exemption. This hearing is over a medical exemption, but a religious exemption was requested as well. I think you will see how ridiculous the stance of the hospitals is. And you will also notice that the Ohio Hospital Association is handling appeals for these hospitals. They are fighting tooth and nail against the employees who are trying to exercise their right to unemployment compensation. The hospitals are arguing that because the employees did not get the genetic injection, that they had just cause to fire them. You will see almost a complete disregard in the hearing for medical privacy, religious privacy, informed consent, and you will hear a doctor struggling with his testimony in this process. He must be one of the most well-versed doctors in the world because he claims to know all about what's in the shots, which none of us know at this point. I know it's going to be a struggle to listen to the doctor because he can barely articulate what's going on. But try to listen to it because thousands of people have been through this process. And it is really, to me, a complete insult and a sin against our Constitution, religious rights, and the rights of informed consent and bodily autonomy. Furthermore, I think what we hear in this recording is something called the banality of evil. These hospitals and the Ohio Hospital Association simply ignore reality. They ignore the dangers of the shots. They ignore the damage that they're doing to their employees. They ignore the damage that they're doing to their own institutions and the communities in which they're situated. And they proceed blindly. That's how bureaucratic processes go on and on without regard to morality or humanity. And they damage and endanger people's lives. I want to thank my client and all the other clients who've had to go through these hearings and are brave enough and courageous enough to let their medical issues and their religious beliefs be public and to fight for those beliefs. And I want to thank the public servants, like the hearing officer here, who is forced to listen to this and inquire into things I think that they really don't want to inquire into. You can hear the hearing officers impatient with the Ohio Hospital Association at times. Thank you for listening to this and gaining an understanding of what is going on in our society. Let's get started with the hearing. Mr. Mendenhall, this is the hearing yeah. officer. How are you? I'm real good. My client is here. Ms. Thompson, can you hear me? Yes, I can. All right, let me call the other party and we'll get started.
Thank you. Are you in-house counsel then for Fairfield? No, I'm not. I work with OHA. So you were the third-party administrator? Yes, sir. Who's your first witness? Uh, Teresa Kramer. She's HR. And we put Dr. Dominguez on this thing because the attorney at other cases seems to want to talk to the people on the committee. All right. Let me call Ms. Kramer then. We'll start with her. The employer's Fairfield Medical Center. This matter is being heard on August 11th, 2022 by telephone. Ms. Kramer, do you swear or affirm that the testimony you give will be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? I affirm. Thank you. And was the address on the notice you received for the hearing correct? Yes. And your position with the company? I am the employee relations coordinator. And Ms. Thompson's position? Oh, I'm sorry. She was a uh, patient registrar. And her dates of employment? She was hired on 9-8-1997, and her last day at work was 2-15-2022. And the reason for the discharge? It's because she failed to obtain the federal mandatory COVID-19 vaccination. Okay. Did she request a deferral or an exemption? Yes. So you said she requested a, a medical exemption first and then a religious exemption? Yes. Okay. The medical exemption, it was approved or denied? It was denied. Why? Um, that would be uh, better answered by Dr. Dominguez. Religious exemption, approved or denied? Uh, it was denied. We only allow one. What do you mean you only allow one? So if you file for a medical, you cannot apply for a religious or vice versa. If you Why not? Uh, would why? Because it would um, defeat the need for having everybody would go on that route. I mean, it's getting the vaccination is to be of help. It's like, well, if I don't get it here, I'll go over there. So we've had that. That's been a longstanding practice. And in our policy, uh, since like 2015, 2016, you can only uh, select one. Okay. What policy? Where does it say that? Um, it's in the COVID-19 vaccination uh, workforce requirements. And it's also uh, a long-standing practice that we've had, which was in our, because before COVID, we only had the uh, influenza vaccination policy. Mm -hmm. And it's stated in there. All right. Submit that as evidence for this hearing today. Uh, you have a copy of the COVID-19 vaccine workforce requirements. Yes. Let me ask you this. Uh, so who is Ben Glass? Ben Glass would have been her manager. Her manager. Okay. I'm just looking at emails being in glass and yeah, I'm still going through the case file to try to find oh. that policy. It's an oh, it is on uh, the state file on page thirty-nine. Okay. All right, policy. Okay, and where's the part about you can only choose one? Which really doesn't make any sense if you think about it. If you have a religious objection, if you have a medical condition, if you have a medical condition, I don't see why you can't have both. What would prevent them? They're not mutually one to another. Why couldn't you have a, a medical and religious objection? The um, answer to that section is on the second page under Roman numeral seven. Letter A that says any workforce healthcare worker, excluding volunteers, may apply for only one type of exemption. Yeah, but that doesn't mean it's reasonable. Why? Why? Um, not um, I'm sorry. Who's speaking? I'm sorry. Who's speaking? Me. Is this a hearing no. officer? Okay. 
Um, sir, I can only attest to what I know, and that's been an established policy. Like I said, that has been in a written policy since 2016 here at the hospital. Uh, and I'm sure there's a review of all of our policies that are impacting employees when it comes to vaccination. You'll get ran through uh, attorney approval. Okay. Uh, so where is this again? Which number? Seven? Yes. Which number? What page number? No, I'm, it says workforce members with an approved exemption on file. Where below that is it? I don't Hold see on. it. Wait a minute, let's see. I don't see anything, it says one. It says you can only do yeah, one. It, it does, just bear with me here a moment. I looked at a, a, a printed off copy and I'm now looking at the case file to try to find it. I'm looking at page 39 was the start of the policy. Fairfield yeah. Medical COVID-19 vaccination workforce requirement. I know I just read that. I don't know why I'm not. Let's see. Okay. It's on, I'm sorry, it's the, I stand corrected. It's on page 41, uh, Roman numeral 3, letter A. Any workforce health care worker, excluding volunteers, may apply for only one type of exemption. Okay. All right. Thank you. Uh, Ms. Mack, any questions for Ms. Kramer? Ma'am, Ms. Mack? I had you on mute. Oh, okay. Go ahead. I'm sorry. In her position, was she near the public patients or coworkers? Do you know? Yeah, as a patient registrar, she would be dealing with, with the general public coming in for an appointment. What precautions did your facility take to stop the spread other than requiring the vaccine? Um, well, we, we put communications out in our Monday morning on what folks could do. They could, you know, wear appropriate PPE and all those kind of things. After she was informed, she was being terminated, actually. After she was informed her applications were denied for exemption, did she have any appeal rights? She did ask Employee Health why she was denied, and they did respond to her. And again, I think Dr. Dominguez can answer that more appropriately. All right, I don't have any other questions. Thank you. Mendenhall, any questions? Kramer? Thank you. Ms. Kramer, my client has a history of exemptions from the flu vaccine. You're aware of that, I imagine, going back at least a decade. I'm, I'm not sure of, the, of the, the number or quantity of exemptions she might have regarding the flu. Well, how many exemptions are you aware of? You know that in the last several years then, anyway, she's been exempt from the flu, correct? I believe so, yes. And that's based on a number of healthcare issues that she has, including Hashimoto's, diabetes, prior blood clotting, are you aware of the health care reasons for that? Again, I only handle the medical, or excuse me, the religious exemptions. The medical exemptions go through a medical committee, and I, I don't really have anything to do with that other than just if they've been approved or denied. You don't know why her medical exemption all of a sudden that she's had for quite a while, and, and you recognize that. You don't have any idea specifically why she was denied a medical exemption this time. No, sir, I don't. And I trust in, her, I trust in the committee hmm. and the doctors here that review that. Who's who's reviewing the medical exemptions then? Uh, I know Dr. Dominguez or, and, and the committee that they have. You said it was a committee, so who else is on the committee? Um, I'm not sure who everyone is. It's Dr. Dominguez and Dr. Dag Murray. Are you aware that she was using PPE and distancing to avoid contact with, with customers? Uh, that would be required by policy, yes. Okay, so if I told you she was sitting behind plexiglass with an N95 mask on, you would accept that that were accurate then, correct? 
Um, according to the, the policy that, yes, they if they are approved uh, of that exemption, they are required to follow um, those guidelines. And you have no evidence that she failed to follow those guidelines. In fact, she did follow those guidelines, correct, as far as you know? Um, I, yeah, again, I have no authority as far as monitoring or supervising her, so I, I would have to assume uh, on the basic level that, yes, she would be adhering to that. What was the purpose of the vaccine, given that we now know that those who are vaccinated carry the disease and transmit the disease? And in fact, uh, we all know that they get the disease at this point. I think we all right, Your Honor, I'm going, to put an I'm going to put an objection on record. He is a lawyer, not a doctor. And we go through this at every hearing where he starts testifying and telling us all what we know. Just like me, he can get a physician on this record and testify to those things. I've got one waiting to be called. I'm just asking if she knows that. I think it's common knowledge at this point. I, I don't know that that's difficult. <clears throat> She's HR, and her job is to just enforce policy. It is not to give medical opinion. <laughs> Mr. Mendenhall, regardless, it's just not relevant. The issue here Thank is... You. I was the policy that she got and blocked it and didn't allow it. So I'm not really interested in the transmission of COVID or anything else about any of that. So let's go okay. forward. I am curious as well about this fact. You would agree with me that somebody could have medical problems but also be religious, correct? Yes. And was there the religious exemption that she submitted, was there any, any particular problem with the actual religious exemption or was it just that she requested a religious exemption? Um, after, again, our own standing policy has been you can only apply for one. She applied for a medical exemption. It was denied. Therefore, it makes her ineligible to apply for a religious exemption. I heard you say that earlier. I'm just asking the actual religious exemption. I'm going to adjust. I'm going to adjust again because it's asked and answered. Okay? Can we please move on, Your Honor? I, I'm sorry, but she didn't answer. Hold I'm just on. Asking. Yes, she did. She very clearly stated that she is eight and she's Stop always talking. all right. Stop talking, Ms. Mack. I can't respond to your section because I didn't hear the question. Go ahead, Mr. Okay, I'm just simply asking, she's, this HR person, Ms. Kramer, is the one who reviews religious exemptions. I'm just asking if she looked at this religious exemption and whether that relig religious exemption was an appropriate uh, request for religious exemption, as far as she knew. She seems to be aware of these. That's it. Yes, we're, we, we, would, we are very uh, open to religious exemptions. And she claims a personal, you know, request for her belief. So we would accept that. Hold on. Are you saying that if Ms. Thompson would have submitted the religious objection first, it would have been granted? Most likely. But the only reason you didn't consider it was because she just didn't put that one in first? Even though you are testifying under oath today that they are sufficient grounds? Sir, again, we have a policy that's longstanding. People have been, this has been the policy. I can't, you're asking me to change the position of the policy. I can't do that. I'm asking you, it's a very simple question is, if she would have put in the religious exemption first, that would have been sufficient evidence for you to grant the exemption. I believe so. Okay, fair enough. All right, anything else, Mr. Mendenhall? No, thank you. 
All right. And I want to say this before we go further. Miss Mack and Mr. Mendenhall, if you have an objection, make your objection and make it to me. I do not want this complaining and arguing between yourselves. That is not going to happen. Am I clear on that? Yes, sir. Got it. I am clear, and I did say I have an objection. I always start with that. I understand that, but then it turns into an argument between the two of you, and that's what I want to stop. Objection. All right, I got it. And then I will make a ruling. Okay, thank you. Now, we have Dr. Dominguez, and we have a Tina Anderson. What is Tina Anderson going to testify to? Not much else from Ms. Kramer, so I think it would be best or time purposes to go to Mr. Dominguez. He was actually on the committee and it can explain why her exemption for medical was denied. Okay. What is your first name, sir? First name is Robert. Robert. All right. And you are, and you are who? Yeah, my name is David Spencer. I'm the hearing officer with the commission. Uh, okay. I'll ask you a few right, questions regarding she was in the case. When I'm finished, your representative, Ms. Mack, will have an opportunity to question you as will the claimant's attorney, Mr. Mendenhall. All right? Okay. All right. So, Dr. Dominguez, do you swear or affirm that the testimony you give will be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? Yes. And what is your position? I'm a uh, physician in the emergency department. I'm also medical director for employee health. Did you rule on Ms. Thompson's medical exemption? I did with uh, Dr. Dag Murray right. and um, the CNP who also reviewed the case. Why was it refused? Um, she uh, did not. Um, uh, she was asking for a medical exemption on the COVID vaccination. Um, and... Um, uh, we asked her, uh, several times, um, uh, if, uh, she would, uh, uh, be vaccinated and, uh, she stated, uh, she would not. And she, uh, well, that's why she exemption. I don't understand. Yeah. yeah. Request the exemption because yeah. she didn't want to get the vaccine. You said no. Correct. Why did you say no? Yeah, she did not want to get the vaccine. She did not want to get the vaccine. Correct. It is a hospital. It is a, uh. It is a federal mandate uh, issued by uh, uh, Center for Medicaid and Medicare that all eligible uh, workforce members receive the COVID vaccination compliance with the uh, deadlines that they provided. Okay, uh, I, maybe I'm not making, maybe I'm asking this wrong. There is a medical exemption allowance. Ms. Thompson submitted a medical exemption form requesting that she be exempted and you're saying what she was denied because she asked to be denied to be no no yeah i'm sorry we we yeah we she was denied because the reason denied that's what i'm wondering okay i got it i was denied because the request was not medically valid there was why? no evidence that why was there was it not no evidence yeah well there was no, no evidence, evidence because um that she uh her exemption said that she had hashimoto's and um, uh, and uh, and problems with uh, she had Hashimoto's uh, thyroid disorder, low blood pressure, autoimmune, and diabetes. Um, and 
that is not a uh, reason to uh, not get the vaccine. What are the reasons? Are they are they enumerated? Is there specific reasons that you have to have or issues or medical conditions in order for this to be granted? And if there is, who puts that out? Is that the CDC or how does it work? Yeah. Yeah. This, um, so there has to be um, most people. Uh, let me go back a little bit. We uh, had uh, nine people who applied in the whole hospital for exemptions. Two of them uh, were approved. Uh, one because she had an anaphylactic reaction. Um, the other one, after her first vaccine, she developed uh, shortness of breath, itching and hives. And the other ones um, uh, were uh, not um, uh, were denied. Uh, out of the denials, uh, three uh, did not. Uh, um, pass and the other four did get the vaccine eventually yeah that wasn't what i asked you okay what are the medical conditions that would cause you to say okay this exemption is allowed because her doctor is the one did request it right she doesn't get the flu vaccine why is this one different the flu vaccine has nothing to do with a COVID vaccination there are no there are no um, uh, cross sensitivities. There are, um, the, there are no specific ingredients that she gave us that she was allergic to that right. wasn't the COVID vaccine uh, that would have granted her an exemption. Um, so they're, they're not they're not related. They don't have the same correct. They're not they're not related. Correct. Oh, I got gotcha. you. Because you have an allergy. Let's say if you have a nausea, you have a sore arm after the vaccine. That is not a uh, allergic reaction for us to deny that. Um, I would we would have to have uh, hives, itching, uh, shortness of breath, an anaphylactic reaction to be able to grant something like this. I see. Is there a list of you know if you have these disorders, you should not take the vaccine somewhere? That you go up. Um, I don't have the list, but most people do get. Uh, from what I know, most of them do get the vaccination. Um, there is no. Uh, let's say um, if you've had uh, if you had an allergic reaction to the shot to the first immunization, right? I would. We would not give you a second shot. No, I know, but I'm. You you listed off uh, issues: Hashimoto's, thyroid disorder, autoimmune, diabetes. Is there those some... are not those those are not um, uh, those are not uh, reasons to get exempted for taking the vaccine. I understand, but is there some list that says these are good reasons for not taking the vaccine, and this is put out by the CDC as guidance to say, hey, this is the things we should all be looking out for. Is there such a thing or not? I would have to look at the CDC guidelines. I don't know those off the top of my. So you didn't use such a you didn't use such a list when making your determinations for Ms. Thompson. No, we used what she what she gave us. Uh, her right. medical conditions were diabetes, hypothyroidism, and high blood pressure. Okay, I think I get it. All right, thank you. I don't have any further questions. Uh, Ms. Mack, any questions of Dr. Dominguez? Did she indicate that there was an ingredient in the COVID nineteen vaccine that she was allergic to? 
not that I'm aware of. If someone says to you, there is a specific ingredient in that COVID-19 vaccine that I am allergic to, what are you doing with those applications? At that time, I would, we would probably, uh, the two physicians, myself and uh, Dr. Murray, would probably discuss it. And we would probably grant it if she had a specific ingredient that she was allergic to. Is having a history of blood clots a reason to avoid getting the COVID vaccine? No, it, it is not. Did she indicate that she had a history of blood clotting? Not that I'm aware of. Okay, I thought she did. All right. In her on her best review that the shot had caused a lot of no no. Um, in the statement that I see here, uh, uh, in her best medical review, that these shots have caused a cardiovascular compromise of uh, pulmonary embolus and myocarditis, but she did not list it that I know of. I see. Now she indicated she had an autoimmune disorder. Does the are you familiar with the American College of Rheumatology? They have um, put out, I believe, that you can get the vaccine. Um, there was a paper uh, that they uh, that they've put out uh, that um, it is not uh, having a blood clot is not a reason to avoid getting the COVID vaccine. Uh, the only one that does uh, is would be concerning is a Johnson and Johnson that has a high relationship for clotting disorder. Um, um, the, you know, um, the uh, American uh, Thrombosis Society, uh, they recommend that you should get the uh, vaccine. Having a, um, having COVID increases your blood clot, uh, having a risk of blood clot by 30, uh, 30 times if you get the infection. And going back to uh, the original question, she's also indicated she has, I thought, an autoimmune disorder, right? That would be Hashimoto's, the thyroid disorder. Okay. What is what what does what the American College of Rheumatology recommend um, for persons who have that autoimmune disorder? Should they or should they not get COVID nineteen vaccine? They should get the COVID nineteen vaccine. What is your medical opinion on that? That you should get the vaccine. Um, Why? In the emergency room. Why? Um, we have seen a lot of deaths from COVID um, in the last uh, couple of years uh, in the ER and in the hospital itself and in uh, general. Um, so uh, it does prevent you from having bad outcomes, um, including, uh, you know, uh, disabilities uh, and uh, death. Have you had anybody in the emergency room pass away from taking the COVID-19 vaccine that had this autoimmune disorder that the claimant has? No, I have not. I don't have any other questions, Your Honor, for this doctor. Thank you. Uh, Ms. Mitchell, any questions about the doctor? Yes, thank you. Doctor, this shot is under what's called an emergency use authorization, correct? Yes, sir. And under an emergency use authorization, there's a basic requirement in all medicine for informed consent, and especially under an EUA, correct? That's my understanding. And my client, by going to a doctor and getting an opinion that she had Hashimoto's, she had high blood pressure and autoimmune disorder and diabetes, that that's part of informed consent is knowing, first of all, what your physical situation is, correct? 
yes. And secondly, she's consulted with a doctor to figure out if there's a potential problem, correct? Isn't she just taking the steps for informed consent in what she did? She's taking it to her primary care physician as um, Dr. Murray and I, uh, him uh, being the infectious disease uh, specialist for the hospital, um, decided uh, that she should receive the vaccine. But that these two diseases, that Hashimoto's, uh, thyroid and diabetes and hypertension were not enough for us to grant her an exemption. Under the informed consent rules, and you're familiar with those, I imagine. You would have to refresh my memory. Well, one of the requirements under informed consent is that there should be no coercion, correct, to take a shot or any other medical treatment. Okay. Do you know that? Yeah, I mean, we're not coercing her to get a shot. We're uh, the CDC, uh, not CDC, the um, CMS mandates uh, all hospitals to abide by their rules. You know, it's a federal mandate. I understand that there's a federal mandate, and I understand it was upheld by the Supreme Court, but there's something else in the mandate. It does allow medical and religious exemptions, both. You're aware of that, correct? Yes, correct. So... She had every right to request an exemption, and and if you guys had granted the exemption, you wouldn't be in any violation of the CMS mandate if you'd granted an exemption, would you? No, we would not. The reason we did not grant it, because we do not believe that it was uh, uh, necessary for her to, um, that uh, the risk outweigh the the benefit, that by her having uh, COVID uh, would... uh, would, uh, make things a lot worse so we as a hospital uh, or as an entity have decided that um, she did not meet that criteria she went to her doctor who informed her that the risk did outweigh the benefit and she as a adult and with the right to informed consent has a right to determine her own risks versus benefits wouldn't you agree that that that's a basic patient right it's a patient right, but that's not what, uh, it's not an exemption for us to deny that. I mean, it's an exempt, we, we, it's, uh, it's not medically valid, uh, medically valid for us to, to do that. You are not in any way treating Ms. Thompson, correct? No. So you're saying that her doctor's opinion is not medically valid, correct? Well, let me go back. Let's go back. Her we disagree with her. Uh, we disagree with what the uh, doctor uh, is requesting that she get, receive an exemption. Well, I'm just trying to figure out. I mean, you're not treating her. You don't have all her records. You haven't been seeing her on a regular basis or at all. No, like I meant. no I have okay. not. The other thing that you stated that was interesting to me is that you claimed that there are no ingredients in the shots that would affect her is that correct no no ingredients no ingredients that she listed that she was allergic to she did not list any ingredients that she was allergic to for the vaccine well let me ask you this this is a emergency use authorized vaccine as far as i know you would be the only one in the country who would know what the ingredients are because pfizer and and moderna and johnson and johnson aren't providing those ingredients at this point well, I You're aware of that, correct? I thought the ingredients have been listed uh, on the internet. 
um, from what I remember. Have you reviewed those ingredients? Have I reviewed them? Have to look them up. We're just going to have to disagree about that. Your position on coercion is that holding her job over her head, no jab, no job, that that's not coercive. Is that your position? That's not what I am. Um, that's not oh. my uh, objective. Perhaps I get to the make it. Uh, Mr. Mendenhall, this has been discussed, and that's not an issue. I don't think okay. that yeah. Mr. The, Dr. Dominguez thinks of his coercion is irrelevant. We need to just move on. Nobody's saying that Ms. Thompson was held down and given a shot, which I think is what that referred to. But go ahead. Any, anything else here before we move on? No, I think I think we've covered it. Thank you very much, Hearing Officer. All right. Uh, Dr. Dominguez, thank you. Sir, you have a good day. Thompson, do you swear or affirm that testimony you give will be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? Yes, sir. And a draft from the notice received the hearing, correct? Yes. All right. Why did you choose the medical exemption over the religious exemption? Did you know you could only take one or choose one? I did not know at the time, but I really didn't think it was going to be a problem to get the medical exemption because I have a permanent flu exemption and there were... There were just problems that I had experienced over the years, just different reactions with other medications, and I really assumed it would be approved. Okay. Tell me about your religious exemption. Just what is the basis of it? I did not want to receive the vaccine for my religious beliefs because it was told that it had aborted baby fetuses. And I just, as a Christian, I didn't want to put something into my body that contained that and the knowledge that we weren't even positive exactly what it contained. That was the basis of my religious request. Did you pray on whether or not you should take the vaccine? Yes, I did. I feel very positive that I was not supposed to receive the vaccine. What is it about the flu vaccine that you have the permanent exemption? Are you allergic to some ingredient in it or is it some other reason? Well, the first time I had the flu shot was 1993, and I got a severe rash, and my heart was racing. And the facility I worked at at the time said that it'll go away, and it didn't. And I didn't get it the next year, but then I tried it again, and I was just kind of told that I needed to get it being a healthcare worker. And every time that I got it, that would happen. Was it an allergic reaction that you were having, or did they ever determine that conclusively or yes it was an allergic reaction it was a rash and you, my heart rate do you know when did you stop taking the flu vaccine probably the last time i took it was the year 2000 because everybody would give me advice on how to do it like take ibuprofen before things like that and i gave it a good shot but every time i would have the same reaction Did your doctor think you might be allergic to the COVID vaccine or was it based more on your health conditions? Both. Because of reactions that I've had with not only the flu vaccine, but other medications and just abnormal behavior that happened when I had certain medications, she believed that it wasn't good for me to take. But also because I am a type 1 diabetic, I had Hashimoto's and there were studies at the time stating that you should not take it if you had autoimmune because it could have a reaction. Well, thank you. I don't believe I have any further questions. We've 
We'll come to the end of the hearing period. This is Warner Mendenhall. I'm satisfied with her testimony and the testimony on the record at this time. So okay. I'm ready to move on if Ms. Mack is. Okay. I am also. I, I don't. I don't have a bunch of questions for her at all. So, yeah. If okay. you if you want to close, we'll, we can close. Okay. Fair enough. Then we'll do that. Ms. Mack, you'd like to make closing? You may. No. Full rest. Thank you. All right. Mr. Mendenhall, I'll rest as well. I think that the hearing officer has heard the testimony, so I appreciate your time this morning. All right.